good to have everybody with us today. It's wonderful to be back in the house of the Lord, and it's good to see you in the house of the Lord. Jonathan, it's good to see you. I miss you a lot. I want you to know that. Courtney, it's good to see you. I miss you. You're off of New Orleans ministering and doing whatever. I appreciate all of our young people today, especially our youth. And, you know, we've had two young men in the pulpit this morning and just so proud of them. And I'm proud of the older ones, too, because I am one of them. And uh, I just appreciate all the ministries in the church and uh, the leadership that we have in this church. is It's so wonderful. Last uh, July, in fact, it was July the 24th, we began a series on the miracles of John. We started in the book of John and the signs that uh, there's seven signs in the book of John. I would encourage you to read the book of John. It's one of the greatest books in the Bible, one of the greatest books in the world. Uh, St. John was just a powerful disciple of the Lord. Take time to read it, but we started with the seven signs and then we continued on with the seven I am's. In fact, we covered the uh, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And this morning, and I want to get, I'm chomping at the bit to I am the good shepherd. But I've got one more before that one. And it's I am the door. And I must confess, as I begin to think about this sermon, Lord I just don't believe there's a whole lot I can get out of this one. Let me let me jump over to the I am the good shepherd. And he said no. And so uh, I began to study. And I began to enjoy what he had to say to us concerning the door. Jesus Christ, the seven I am's here in John. The great, one of the greatest one is I am the door. If you don't have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. Brother Steve will make sure that you get one. We want everybody to have an outline. And you take these home and spend some time this week studying. Uh, Just raise your hand there. While we're doing that, we'll read some scriptures found in St. John, St. John chapter 10. And we'll begin with verse 1. Would you read with us? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper, or if you're reading the King James, it says, to him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will know by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Here he says it again. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal And to kill 
and to destroy. I have come that ye, they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak this message, this revelation to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Notice the introduction. A door is just one of the many metaphors Jesus used to describe himself. In this metaphor, he is the door through which the sheep enter the safety of God's fold and go out to the rich pastor of his blessing. It is through him that lost sinners can approach the Father. Most of the sheepfolds to be found in the Middle East countries have no door. They have a doorway. The shepherd rather becomes the door and entrance is the only possible when he permits it. Powerful, powerful truth. Notice the things that he speaks of here. He speaks of the door, which is Jesus Christ. He is the only door. He is the only way. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we have the door, which is Jesus Christ. And then we have the shepherd, which we'll get on or share with you next Sunday. The shepherd, but then he has the under-shepherds. The under-shepherds, which is the pastors, the ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of good pastors. Let me give you a couple of three things that I believe is important when it comes to a minister, a pastor being a good shepherd or under shepherd. First of all, God wants a shepherd, not a star. He calleth his own sheep, this under-shepherd, by name. He knows them personally. Therefore, he has to associate with them. He has to rub elbows with the sheep of his flock. Not only that, he calls them out to fresh, healthy pastors. He calls them out to a larger place of blessing. I believe the good shepherd, the good under-shepherd, will pastor the people and he will lead them and challenge them, but he'll lead them into good pastor. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 23 and 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And that's the kind of under shepherd, that's the kind of pastor I believe that God is calling and certainly that God is looking for today. He goeth before them, he leads them by example. That means you got to walk right and talk right and spit white. You just, you just got to live a, a life before. I believe it's important for good shepherds, for shepherds to be good examples before the flock. Not only does he say, does he say go, he says come. He leads them. And that's what the shepherd does. He leads them. He leads them beside still waters. Paul said to Timothy, I love this, when he speaks to his spiritual son, Timothy, he says to him, 
be an example, Timothy, of the believers. And here is where he says for Timothy, and I believe the good shepherd, to be a good example. Be a good example in the word. Be a good example in conversation. Or, as one translation says, in conduct. Be a good example in charity, in spirit, in faith. And he encourages Timothy, and I believe every good shepherd, to be a good example in purity. Amen? Jesus said if those that came up any other way, the shepherds were thieves and robbers. About 48 years ago in our church, there came a man that was a minister. He became a minister in our church, and he was the Sunday school superintendent. Many of you don't know what that means today, but back many years ago, we had, we had what was called Sunday school superintendents. That meant he was, he was over all the Sunday school teachers and all the Sunday school ministries that went on. But this man became that. He was one of the most humble acting men I have ever seen. He would smile a lot. He would fold his hands a lot and bow a lot. Very humble-acted man. And he came when Carol's dad was a pastor, and so he was under him. And, and then when her dad died and I became pastor, he was a minister in the church for us. And uh, very, very kind. He and his wife both were very precious people. There was a young lady that was coming to our church and she was divorced. She had a, a, a daughter, just a wonderful young lady. And uh, I noticed that, that there was beginning to develop a relationship. And one night I felt to go over to her house and I went over to her house and there he and she sat at her dinner table studying the word of God. But I didn't feel good about that relationship. And it wasn't long, and this has been 46 years ago, till she gave birth to his child. Those that come up any other way are thieves and robbers and some adulterers. You need to know who you're following. Because it's easy to be led astray if we don't stay in church and we're not connected with the body of believers and we don't have an under-shepherd that will lead us and teach us in the way of the Lord to go. Amen. It is important. It is important that God's under-shepherds be, of course, who they say they are. And then you have the, the doorkeeper. Who is the doorkeeper? Who is the doorkeeper that lets you in and out? I believe that represents the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's the Holy Spirit that invites people to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I believe he's the one that beckons. It matters not how hard-hearted. It matters not how far away from God. He'll be like the holy hound of heaven and he'll be after you until you surrender to him. I believe that we need to pray that God's Holy Spirit will deal with the unsaved and cause them to be convicted of their, of their sins and come to Jesus Christ. 
My wife and I just came back off of a wonderful cruise. We enjoyed it. It was nice. On that cruise, performing uh, as, a, as the singer and nightly uh, uh, entertainer was a young man by the name of Michael Grimm. <clears throat> Michael Grimm. Michael Grimm was uh, the fifth uh, winner of America's Got Talent. I don't know if you remember him or not, but he was on this cruise, he and his wife with us, and he sang each night, and we thoroughly enjoyed his singing. We got back off at, in, Gats, uh, 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 in Texas. Um, thank you. Keep trying to say Gadsden, Alabama's Galveston, Texas. And we got back, and we had to go from Galveston on a, on a bus to go to the airport. Well, it just happened to so, so that Michael Grimm and his wife were on the same bus with us. And so we waited for an hour. And we spent two hours with Michael Grimm, my wife and I. Of course, my wife did not stop talking. You know, I'm usually the one that talks. She talked and she talked and she witnessed and she shared and she talked about Jesus and she shared the gospel. And I'll tell you what, we had the most wonderful time being able to witness to this man because here's what happened. He was raised Pentecostal. Michael Grimm was raised Pentecostal. But once he won the Americans Got Talent contest and he got into Las Vegas and got doing the scene, they say. He got into drugs and he got away from God. But then something happened. He had a praying grandmom and a praying granddad. And Michael Grimm has come back to God. And we got a chance to witness to him and to minister to him. You see, it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter how far away from God we get. It doesn't matter if we get into the the, uh, drug scene or what. The Holy Spirit, the doorkeeper, will invite us to come in to the sheepfold and be safe in Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful? Justin Bieber, he uh, is the 10th most popular person in the world when it comes to using Instagram. 94 million people get in touch with Justin Bieber. He's been some kind of fella. If you followed him any at all, he's in jail, he's out of jail, he's been caught by the law, he's mooning the press and everything else, and uh, wow, he's been mean, he's been ugly. He went to a church, it was Hillsong Church in Beverly Hills, California, and Justin Bieber got saved. This has just recently happened. Now you say, I don't know that he saved, he does I don't know. I'm just telling you the story, okay? It's between him and God whether he's saved or not. But I heard his testimony and I heard he and his pastor sit down and testify to him knowing Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. He, he's no longer doing his tours. He's no longer singing the songs that he once sang. 
I understand he's going to begin to sing Christian songs. doesn't matter how mean you've been. doesn't matter how ungodly you are. But here's a 23-year-old man that supposedly, and I hope he is, that knows Jesus Christ as his personal Savior because the doorkeeper said, Justin, you need to come into the sheepfold. You need to know Jesus Christ. I looked at the pictures of Justin before he got saved, and I look at his pictures now, and he looks totally different. Oh, he still has the tattoos. But there's a different look on his face. He talks different. Oh, he acts silly. But he talks different. I'm here to tell you there's a safe place. For those that are wrestling with drugs, those that are wrestling with adultery, those that are wrestling with sin and ungodliness, those that are serving the devil, those that are slave to the devil, there's a place. And the porter says, come on in. Because the door is open. Aren't you glad for that door today? Let me tell you a little bit as you look at your outline. Christ in describing the door is personal. He says, I am. He is the only door. He is the only way. He is the only entrance to where we can come to Jesus Christ. Exclusively, the, the one and only. One of the best restaurants in Durham is, or it did was, was Bullock's. Have you ever been to eat at Bullock's? If you go eat at Bullock's, don't carry a check. If you go eat at Bullock's, don't carry a credit card. Because the only thing they accept is cash. You can go in and say, I want to get a nice meal at Bullock's. Don't go in with a credit card. Don't go in with a check. Go in with cash. And if you want peace and joy, And you want to go into the sheepfold of safety. The only way you can go in is through Jesus Christ. You can go any other way. Take any other thing and offer it up. It won't work. You've got to have him. And he's he's inclusive. Notice Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him who hears say come. And let him who is thirsty. Come, whoever desires, let him come take the water of life freely. I know some mean, bad people. I don't know whether I'd want to let them in or not, but Jesus said, whoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. You and I don't get to choose. We don't get to say who's going to be saved and who's not saved. We don't look at him and say, I don't like him or her. I just don't know whether I, whether I want him or her, my brother or sister or not. Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Notice the certainty of it. Shall be saved. I like that. There's no question. There's no question. When you come to the shepherd, when you come to the sheepfold, when you come and the spirit and the, and the doorkeeper invites you, you will be saved. You say, how does that happen, pastor? The Bible says if we confess the Lord Jesus Christ with our mouth and we believe in our hearts, we shall be saved. No question, ifs, ands, and buts about it. I'll tell you what, the devil will sit right here on your shoulder and he'll say, you didn't get anything. You didn't get saved. He's a liar. He's a thief. 
He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus Christ came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Not only is the certainty of it, but there's a liberty. You've never known freedom until you've known Jesus Christ. There is a liberty in knowing him. People think they're free. I'm free to go and do as I want to and say, listen, if you serve the devil and if you're not serving Christ, you are serving Satan. You are in bondage. But there is a freedom. You get to go in and out. Romans 8.21 says it this way. Romans 8.21. I don't even have it on here. Huh? It's on the screen. Thank you, Miss Carol. Look at it. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the what? Say it loud with me. Into the what? Glorious liberty of the children of God. Somebody say amen. The glorious liberty of the children of God. There is no liberty. There is no freedom like the glorious liberty of the freedom of of God and then complete salvation. And I'll get to that in just a moment. That word salvation, it covers so much, and the Greek word is so vitally important. Lotus, we will find pasture, a provision, God's pasture of promises. They're just the Holy Bible is full of the promises of God, and we can rest in them. What is God's promise? sufficiency what is God's promise abundance what is God's promise he will sustain us even in the time of temptation and trial when you have gotten bad news from the doctor or you you're going through something in your life and you say I just don't know if I can make it or not you can stand on the very promises of God notice number two the provision the provision a place of purpose a place where we can be saved. There is shelter. There is security. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 33. But whoever listens to me will dwell where? In safety. And this is what people want. They want security. Money won't buy you security. These things won't purchase you all of that. But I'll tell you what will give you safety. I'll tell you what will give you security. And will be secure without fear or evil. Let me read it again. Proverbs one thirty three. Whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear and evil. Not only that, Psalms 91 says it this way. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide where? Under the shadow of what? The Almighty, the same one that created all things, the same one that flung the stars into existence, the same one that spoke and the world and the universe came into being under the safety of the Almighty. And he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress in him will I trust. Somebody say amen. That's a powerful two verses. Psalms 91, the shelter, the safety, 
And then here's this word salvation. Shall be saved. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be what? Saved. Folks don't like that word. That's outdated. It's obsolete. That word's a dinosaur today, but I believe in being saved. Isn't it great great to be saved? Hallelujah, completely. Salvation means prosperity, deliverance, preservation. It means spiritual deliverance and freedom. Salvation unto the Lord. Not only is there safety and salvation, there is healing. We live in a day when the devil would like to afflict you physically. He'd like to destroy you physically. I believe not only in spiritual healing, and Isaiah talks about that. I believe that God wants us healed physically. Notice what it says in Exodus chapter 15. And said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For what? I am the Lord who heals you. The New Testament carries over in James chapter 5. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with all in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he is committed in his sins, it will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails a little bit. Huh? Oh, I missed it. Much. A lot. God desires that you and I receive healing. I love 1 Peter 2.24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you passed tense. We're healed. When he hung on that tree, he not only made provisions for my sins by his blood, he made provisions by my way of healing through his stripes that I might not have to suffer sickness. You say, Brother Don, everybody gets sick. Well, I just believe God's a healer. If you believe God's word, you can stand upon his word and he is your healer. He wants You and I, I believe this. I'm not saying that everyone's healed that's prayed for. I believe there needs to be more people healed than there are today. I believe in miracles. I believe in in, in divine, divine, sovereign, divine healing. Sure, God works through doctors. I stand here today healed because of doctors. but, But I stand here today healed because of God's healing power. Wholeness, wholeness. I believe in the healing, personal wholeness, mentally, psychologically, and spiritual. All of this flows through that word salvation. 
All of this flows through conversion. When you and I get saved, we are candidates for God's bountiful, bountiful blessing. Abundant living. I just read it, John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but to kill, steal, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. God does not want us just getting by. He don't want us walking into heaven with our shoulders drooped over and, and us, our heads down and discouraged. He wants the church to be vibrant, alive, on fire, healed. Notice what we have here. You won't find life in pleasure. Now, my wife and I had more food than anybody could ever eat on this cruise. You ever been on a cruise? They have more food. than It, it ought to be against the law to have that much food. And we were out on the... This beautiful, beautiful ocean and on this wonderful boat with thousands of people and it was just so great. You're not going to find contentment on a cruise. You can enjoy it. But you're going to find contentment only, contentment only in Jesus Christ. You won't find life in performance. There was a Wimbledon champion. Here's what he said. He said, I, I want to enjoy the thrill of winning this tennis Wimbledon match. He won it. He said, you know what? That thrill last 50, lasted 15 minutes. <laughs> and that's about how much thrill the world gets out of what they think is pleasure. About 15 minutes. You won't find it in pleasure. You won't find it in performance. You won't find it in possessions. You won't find it in money. Money will not satisfy you. You won't find it in position. You may get a promotion, and I think that's good. You won't find it with the status quo of our, our, of our culture and generation. You won't find it in pursuits. There's a lot of people staying busy. If I can just stay busy, if I can just obtain this, if I can just make this much money, if I can live in this neighborhood, listen, you won't find it. Search all you want to. But you can find an old-fashioned place to pray. You can kneel before God, whether it's in church, whether it's riding down the highway, when you come to him and say, Father, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I accept him. That's where you find pleasure, and that's where you find contentment. You won't find it in any of these things. You find life in the person of Jesus Christ. The door of opportunity. Notice what I've got here. For the believer, notice what we have. For ministry, that opportunity, he put it forth his own sheep. Verse 4 of this chapter of John that I read says he put it forth his own. Why Jesus, why, shepherd, would you want to do that? I'm safe. I'm in the sheepfold. I'm surrounded by a wall. The shepherd lies at the gate. He protects me from the animals and from thieves. I'm here safe. I feel comfortable. 
why would you want to lead me forth? Because there's something to do out there. There's a world to win for Jesus. And the Bible says he leads us forth. Here's the thing about his leading. Anything we face, he's already faced it. He's before us. Are you worried? No, no. Because he goes before us. He leads his sheep forth. I believe this important that the laborers be thrust into the vineyard. <laughs> we get too comfortable in the sheepfold. We come in our own little wonderful church and it feels so nice. The pews are padded. The singing and the preaching, when it's hot, it's cool inside. When it's cold outside, it's warm. And we come in and it's all so nice. Let's just stay here. Peter said, let's build three tabernacles on this mountain of rejoicing. And let's stay right here. God says, you got to go out. you got to get out in the world. And you got to get out and warn those that do not know Jesus Christ. Opportunities and responsibilities. There's scripture in Matthew in the 25th chapter, 14 and 19. It says there was, there was a man that had his servants and he left. He gave one five talents, one two and one one. You see, God's given every one of us a talent, ability. But Brother Don, I'm not the pastor. I don't lead worship. I'm I'm not a deacon. I'm not an elder. Listen, every one of us has a gift. And whether you're in in grammar school, high school, college, whether you're at a place of business, wherever you and I, that God allows us to go outside of these four walls, God says that's our place of ministry. That's our place to... to touch other people's hearts. And that's what God wants us to understand. And that's what God has called us to do. He's given every one of us an ability. Use it. Don't bury it. That's what one did. God's very serious about the talents, the abilities that he's given you and I. He's given us all of these things that we might reach out and touch other people's lives. None of us are called to be a spectator. Amen? And then God is open opportunities. I I was preparing this sermon and I felt in my spirit there's someone here this morning, that there would be someone here this morning that you need a promotion. Now you're not hanging your hat on the promotion. You're not, you're trusting God, but you, you, God wants to give you a promotion. Now I don't know where it's at. I don't, it may be in a job. It may be somewhere other place. But I believe there are opportunities that are going to begin to pop up and come your way as you trust God and believe God and you follow him, the good shepherd. Listen to me. Opportunity. From this moment forth, I want you to pray, believe God, put your trust in him. And something that you've been praying about, something you've been praying for, and God says, I'm going to grant it unto you. And that opportunity, that door, that door, which Jesus is, he opens a lot of doors for us. That door of opportunity is going to come open. He'll do it. We end with this. The 
No one can enter without the permission of Christ. No one can enter without the image of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 talks about the image. You and I becoming the very image of Jesus Christ. It says, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So God wants us to be like Christ. He wants us to live like him, talk like him, love like him. This is God's call. Faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't enter without faith in the blood. I'll end with this verse. Matthew, I mean Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. And I wanted to read it with the Amplified. I won't know. Mark, were you able to get the Amplified? Yes. Read it with me. In fact, under the law, almost everything is cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, neither release from sin and its guilt, nor consolation of the merited punishment. If you don't have Christ, you're destined for punishment because there's a penalty to pay for sin. A penalty to pay for sin. Sister Judy, would you come? I think the story of Noah's Ark is probably, has been on people. And, and Brother Matt and all of you, would you come too? All, all of you come, please. Uh, I don't know that it's been on the minds of people because there was a, there was a movie here a while back called Noah. And, and people have thought about this thing of, of Noah and the Ark. And probably all of us from kid up, we could tell the story of Noah and the ark and how that man became wicked and more wicked. And God sent judgment on the earth. He sent judgment in the form of a flood. And for 40 days and 40 nights it rained. And all the rivers swole and all the water came up. And the water came up. But before, before God sent the flood... He had Noah to preach over a hundred years and build the ark. And we use that now, looking back, as a point or as an allegory or a metaphor for the ark of salvation. Just a great project that Noah built by faith because it had rain. There was no rain. People laughed at him. They mocked at him. They would go by and jeer. Can you believe this man is building an ark here on dry land when it's not rained? But he kept building. And he kept building. Until the final nail or pitch or straw or whatever. Until the final animal, whether it was giraffe, a dog, a lion, a snail. Hmm. You know, somebody says, I'm real slow. Well, the snail got on there just like the cheetah did. So God accepts us all. Until the final animal walked into that ark. Supernaturally. And then God called Noah and his wife and his children and in-laws to come in. And then the Bible says that God shut the door. 
The people are still laughing. But their laughing turned to screams. And their laughing turned to horror. And them making fun turned to sadness. Because it did start to rain. And it rained. And it rained. And the water came up. And the water came up. And they ran to the ark. And they screamed. And they knocked. And they cried. And they begged. But you see, Noah couldn't unlock the door. You see, Noah couldn't open the door. Because the Bible says that God has shut the door. And all of these people drowned in the very judgment of God. Because they resisted, rebelled. And did not accept the message of Noah. One day we're going to hear our last sermon. One day we're going to be prayed for the last time. One day the spirit. The doorkeeper is going to call his last person. And then God is going to shut the door. And no matter how much you cry, no matter how much you call, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Today he's an open door. Today there's an invitation. Today there's grace. Today there's acceptance. Tomorrow, we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We know who holds tomorrow. And today, if you're here and you never have accepted that call, you never have said, you know what? I've tried everything in the world and I'm not satisfied. I put up a front. I lay down to sleep at night. I put my head on my pillow and something empty is in here. Something empty. Are you that person? Are you there today? I want you to know without any hesitation that the door of opportunity is open, wide open. Jesus said, I am the door. But he's the only door. You can try or any other religion you want to try. You can say, I'm confused about religion. Religion will confuse you. Not a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's not confusing. He's not confusing. And his arms are open wide. They're said, come. You're invited. Come. Let us pray. Father, I thank you because you have spoken this powerful truth to us. I thank you because you invite us. Many have not Most, if not all, have said yes. God, if there's one man, one woman, one young person here today that is yet to accept you as their personal Savior, or maybe they at one time did, but today they've drifted so far away. They've wandered away. They're like the prodigal. They no longer have that relationship that they at one time had. 
But Lord, they have what we would call backslidden. Draw them back to you. Help them to see the invitation is still there. Help them to realize the door is still open. And help them to realize that the porter, the porter is calling. Come home. Come back again. Kneel at the cross. You'll find Jesus Christ there. In Jesus' name.